0: I'm Derek Walker, I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church and in this series I pray that God will call each of us to intercession for our nation as we saw in 1 Timothy 2 Paul says, I exhort first of all as a first importance that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and those who are in authority. And We saw that that is essential as a precondition for the freedom uh, to preach the gospel that all men might be saved. And so if we don't pray as we ought, then the conditions and the spiritual atmosphere in our nation will not be conducive for the preaching of the gospel and for revival, which is what we we must have. And so we've been talking about, especially at this time when we are seeing an earthquake in, in our politics, that At this time, we must pray for our nation that God raises up the right leadership, the right structures, and so that God's hand is on our nation, so that we might fulfill our call and destiny to preach the gospel in these end times and to be free from the principalities and powers that would try and stop that. There is a spiritual warfare going on. When we were born again, we we come into that. That spiritual warfare has been happening all the time. It's just we weren't aware of it. But now we must take our place as soldiers in God's army and one of our main weapons is our weapon of intercession. And that's what we're going to talk about now is to to be trained in the art of intercession. Uh, You see prayer, we're called to pray. Now prayer in itself is generally speaking fellowship with God and carrying out God's will on the earth in the face of opposing principalities and powers. And so prayer is essential for everything we do in the Christian life. It's the foundation for for success in the Christian life. It's through prayer that we access the the, uh, power, the anointing, the Spirit of God. And simple prayer is simply pouring out your heart to God. Simple prayer might be from the basis of a need you have in your life or a need you see in someone else's life and, and you make a supplicate, you make a prayer. And and that is good, and that is fine. But intercession is really what God is calling us to, to, which is a particular kind of prayer that is is the most powerful form of prayer. And I want to share particularly about intercession. Intercession is about coming into God's presence, standing before God. And the strength of your intercession is... Determined, first of all, by the strength of your relationship with God. So it starts by seeking God's face. It's coming into God's presence and saying, Lord, I want to bring to pass on the earth your will. You might know God's will, or you may not know exactly what God's will is. And so you come, you present yourself to God, you fellowship with him, you have intimacy with him, and you let him put his burden on your heart. You let him reveal his will to you. We're going to see that it's based in friendship. The great intercessors are friends with God. They seek God face to face. And in that time of intimacy in God's presence, they begin to hear God. They begin to hear his will. And they make themselves available to God for God to put his burden on their heart. And it's a bit like conceiving a a child, because intercession is also described in terms of travail, uh, in terms of giving birth, in terms of labor. The Bible talks about laboring in prayer. And what's going on here is that in the intimacy, if you can understand the analogy, in the intimacy of your fellowship with the Lord, he plants the seed of his will, of his dream, of what he wants to bring to pass on the earth. He wants to bring it pass through you. He's not gonna do it apart from you. He's gonna bring it to pass through you. And so he plants and conceived in the womb of your heart is his seed. And you will only receive that if you take time in the presence of God. And then when you have that, that, that burden, or that that, uh, seed that is his will, grows inside you and you carry that with you and you pray it through until you've brought it to birth. And how long it takes to pray that through could be uh, half an hour, an hour, three hours, days, weeks, months, depending on what that burden is. But you receive it from the Lord and then you bring it to birth through your prayers. And it's interesting in John chapter 7 when Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That word for belly or innermost being is actually the word for womb. Out of your spiritual womb shall flow rivers of living water. An intercession, we receive God's seed, God's will in our womb, in the womb of our heart. And then as we pray it out, as we release it into the earth, We, uh, through intercession, uh, we release the power of the Holy Spirit, those rivers of living water, and that which brings that thing to pass. And God's will is established in the earth, first of all through intercession. And then as a result of that prayer, it it can be acted out. And uh, so intercession is a very intimate thing. It's not just shooting prayers to God from a distance. It's getting in the presence of God and receiving his heart, his, his vision, his desire, and then bringing it to pass. He brings it to pass through us, just as a man, as it were, brings a baby to pass through his wife. And she then gives birth to it. So God gives birth to his plans and his purposes through us in that place of prayer. And so that's one way to understand. Um, It is a travail, therefore. There there is a burden conceived in your spirit by the Holy Spirit through your intimacy with God, which cannot be released apart from intercession. And so intercessors are are aware of carrying a burden of prayer. And and they know when it's released. They would talk about praying through to that note of joy and peace. And so... The intercessor, his number one concern is the glory of God in the earth. He's not praying from a position of, Oh Lord, I need this, so-and-so needs that. His first concern is God's name, God's glory in the earth. He's, he wants to be friends with God, he wants to pick up on God's heart and then pray that into being. He stands between, an intercessor means the one who stands between God and the earth, God and the situation. So it's the strongest form of prayer because in intercession, you identify. Um, if, you're, if, if God puts on your heart a certain need, he, give, he gives you that compassion and that desire for that, for that to be fulfilled. And so in intercession, you begin to identify with the one you're praying for. It's not like a casual thing, oh God, bless, bless Aunt Judith. But in intercession, it becomes something stronger, because you actually pick up God's burden for that person, and you identify with them, and you actually bring them before God. And you in a way, you, you fight for them, and you stand for them as if you were praying for yourself and your need. And an intercessor as a one who, as it were, carries, like the high priest would carry the 12 stones on his breastplate, they were the 12 tribes of Israel. So the intercessor carries the people that he represents into God's presence. He carries them on his heart. He identifies with them to that extent. So you take, in a way, their situation on yourself so it becomes your burden. So to pray for the nation, you have to identify with, that, with your nation. And you take your nation on your heart and you fight for your nation. As it, not as a detached person, but someone who is who is involved and identified. That's the difference with an intercession. You take on that burden that you need to, to pray through. The, in English, the word intercessor means the one that comes in between. Um, he comes in between God and the person. And classically, this person is... let's say it's a lost person they are under God's wrath or the nation that is rightly under God's wrath because of sin and if there were no intercessor God would have to judge and destroy that one and the intercessor steps in between God and that person or that nation and he stands in the gap and he pleads that God show mercy rather than justice for that person he fights for that person Like an advocate in court, that's an intercessor, he represents that person to God. You take it on yourself, or if God gives you the burden, to represent that person before God. And you plead with God to show mercy rather than judgment. And so the intercessor acknowledges God's right to judge that land. But at the same time, they plead for God to show mercy because God wants to show mercy. And so... He has a great belief in God's justice, but also a great belief in God's mercy, that God delights to show mercy. Almost in some strong intercession we're going to see, from Moses particularly, um, he, the intercessor puts themselves on the line. They almost say, Lord, if you're going to judge this person, you're going to have to come through me, because I'm standing with them. I'm standing for them. And the great men of God who changed nations were first of all intercessors. Intercessors. What they did before God in prayer was the major part of their ministry rather than what they did before men. So let's look at some great intercessors. First of all, Abraham. The first example of intercession is in Genesis chapter 18. Let's uh, choose some selected verses. The Lord with two angels appears to Abraham and they have fellowship together. They, he invites them for lunch and they have fellowship together. That's how it begins. And Abraham is called a friend of God. And you can't be an intercessor unless you're a friend of God, unless you put your intimacy and relationship with God first. Because intercession comes out of that. It says in verse 16, Then the men arose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham with them to, went with them to send them on their way. And so they're heading towards Sodom and we know that he's God's planning to judge Sodom. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Now, here is the fact that because God, the Lord has a relationship with Abraham, he cannot bypass Abraham. Abraham is his friend. And he says, should I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? Actually, he wants Abraham to know because he wants Abraham to, to take the place of an intercessor, because he wants to save Lot out of that situation. Amos 3.7 says, Shall the Lord do anything, except the Lord will do nothing, rather, unless he sh- reveals it to his servants, the prophets first. Do you want to be a, a friend of God, that God shares his intimate secrets with you? Because you only share cl- these things with friends. And it's because Abraham had that relationship with God, that God involved Abraham in that. And as you take time in the presence of God, God will start showing you things concerning the things he wants you to pray about. He lets you into his secrets and he lets you have a part in what's going to happen. And, and he says, since Abraham, it, basically because of my covenant with Abraham, I'm not going to bypass him. I'm going to involve him. Verse 20. The Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that is against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. So here's the Lord announcing he's going to go down to Sodom, and if necessary, he's going to judge them. And the two angels go, but Abraham stands between Sodom and the Lord as if to say, stop Lord. I know what's going to happen. You're going to judge them. And so Abraham stands before the Lord and he stops the Lord in his tracks, as it were. If Abraham wouldn't have stood in and just let them go, they would have just gone ahead and judged. And so the first thing about an intercessor is his intimacy with God. Abraham stood before the Lord, face to face with the Lord. You've got to have the boldness to do that, to stand in God's presence. And and he likes that. He likes that if you can do that. And God only shares his heart with friends who he can work with to fulfill his purposes. You know, you don't share stuff with strangers. You share intimate stuff of your plans and all of that with friends. And then they they are part of and they help you, and they're part of what happens in your life. And so a friend is close enough to be trusted. Are you someone that God can trust with his secrets, and then to be, play a part in those? Abraham was a friend of God. Isaiah forty-one-eight says, You, O Israel, are my servant, Jacob whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. See, not all believers really are friends of God. A friend is someone that God can trust, and is part of the, their plans. God, talk, He talked to God as an intimate personal friend. James 2.23 also says. That Abraham is called the friend of God. Because he cooperated with God in his purposes. God told Abraham to offer up Isaac. And Abraham obeyed. And he was a friend of God. He worked with God. The key revelation of friendship really is Exodus 33 11. It says the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Do you have that kind of relationship with the Lord face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So intercession starts by getting face to face with the Lord, developing that friendship with the Lord, tuning into him and say, Lord, I want to hear your heart. I want to hear your purposes. I want you to I want to be part of what you're doing. I want you to put that burden of what you want to do in my life or in my nation on my heart so that I can co-labor with you in my prayers. And so it starts with seeking God's face. What does that mean, to seek his face? It means to seek his friendship, to get to know him, to have that intimate relationship with him. That is where it starts, to be tuned into God's heart. And then God, in that intimacy, he can give you that burden. For you to pray through. That's why it says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, this is how you pray for your nation. He says, if my people who are called by my name, you have a relationship with God, you have that covenant relationship, you're called by his name. If you will humble yourselves, and that particularly with fasting, and what that is talking about is the fact that so often we are driven by our own desires. The Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life and these govern our lives they are too strong in relation for our desire for god our appetite for relationship fellowship with god and the first thing we need to do is humble ourselves humble our desires and that is done particularly through fasting is where you say no to your natural desires in order that you might live by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God in order to intensify your spiritual desire. So humbling yourself is a first step. And we'll talk about fasting later in this series. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face. You see, get into the Lord's face, get before the Lord. And then it says, and turn from their wicked ways. Notice that comes last. Because it's as you come into the presence of God, as you open your heart to him, that he can begin to show you your wicked ways, where you need to repent. You don't, you don't repent before you pray. You, you come into God's presence and then he can show you what needs changing. And then as he shows it to you, you, you are able to repent in your heart. He says, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. And so it starts with seeking his face. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. To be a friend with God, we've got to be totally committed to Christ, and be willing to lay down our life for him. When we pray for others, we're laying down our own life, aren't we? And that's the first thing we need to do, is be committed to him. Lay down our life for our friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. To develop that friendship with God, you must be quick to obey when he speaks to you. When you're in his presence and he shows you something, be quick to obey, be quick to respond. That's how you have that friendship with God. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, because all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. See, that's what it is to be a friend of God. You're in his presence. You're you're responsive to him. You're tuned to his heart's desires. And now he is able to start showing you stuff. He doesn't just treat you as a servant. He treats you as a friend. He lets you in on his secrets so that you can cooperate with him. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, that you may bear much fruit. This is how we bear much fruit in prayer. By coming into his presence, receiving his burden, and then... Praying it out and acting out what he shows us. That friendship with God is essential. You know, the Bible says that our true life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, you only discover your true life in prayer. See, it's hidden in God, in that secret place. But as you develop that intimacy with God, as you pray out the mysteries of your life, you discover what your real life is. If you don't pray... You, you will be living in the shadows. You'll never discover the reality of what God has for you. And so um, Abraham, let's go back to Abraham. He's, he, came, he stands before God because he wants to save Lot because Lot would be destroyed if judgment was poured out. It says, Abraham came near. So he doesn't just stand before God. Now Abraham draws near. That's the intercessor. He draws near, right in the presence of God. And he says, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Notice his boldness. He believes in God's justice and that God uh, wants to show mercy. And he's, we know the story well, don't we? He says, if there are only five, 50 righteous, would you destroy the place? Would you destroy 50 righteous people? That would be wrong, God. In other words, he's pleading his case. He's in God's face, asking God to show mercy, to give them a, another chance. And, and God says, "Oh no, if there were 50 righteous, I won't destroy and, and Abraham keeps bringing God down until finally, he says, what about if there were only 10? Verse 32, let not the Lord be angry, I'll speak but once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And God says, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. Now, I think Abraham thought he had done enough. Surely there would be ten believers in the city. And he thought he had succeeded in his intercession. And so the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. I, I want you to notice that God responded to Abraham's intercession. He didn't say to Abraham, Who do you think you are? arguing with me about this, discussing this issue with me. has got nothing to do with you, Abraham. But actually, the Lord responded to him. The Lord interacted with him. The Lord enjoyed the fact that Abraham discussed the issue with him. And he didn't brush him aside. He let himself be influenced by Abraham. And the more we become friends with God, the more God will actually honor us in that way. God, he knew the character of God, that God was just, he would punish the evil, but God also delights to show mercy. Well, I believe, you. we might think, oh, this country is so evil, God could never, you know, give us mercy. But it only took one, it says, ten, 10 righteous men would be enough. And one intercessor, such as Abraham, was enough uh, in a, for a big city. So... It, do, it only takes a few intercessors to really make a difference for God to turn the destiny of a nation. It says, in fact, of course, that God answered Abraham's prayer, but not in the way that he expected, because God there was only a few, two or three righteous people in that city, and God did destroy the city with fire and brimstone. But I want you to notice that God answered his prayer because he delivered Lot. And that was the essence of his prayer, that God would deliver the righteous from the judgment. And of course, God sent those angels to deliver Lot and his two daughters out of that scene of judgment. And it says that was done in answer to Abraham's prayer. Genesis nineteen twenty-nine. it says, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. So Lot was delivered through the prayers of Abraham. They did avail; They were successful. God heard his prayer and delivered Lot. But he would have had a, a difficulty because it says in verse 27, Abraham rose early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord, and then he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the plain, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace. Abraham, I think, got discouraged here because he thought he had prevailed in intercession and now he sees this destruction. And he doesn't know that Lot's been saved. He would have perhaps assumed that Lot was destroyed in that. And that's why he sins in the next chapter and he goes down to Egypt and he makes this sin with his wife, pretending his wife is his sister and so on. And I think partly that was discouragement because he didn't realize that God did answer his prayer He just didn't know till years later that God did send the angels to save Lot. So, you know, we don't always know how the prayers are going to be answered, but we believe that God hears us when we pray, and God is moving through our prayers. And so we see the fact of Abraham is our first example in intercession. He had the courage to stand before God and plead for mercy rather than judgment. And when we stand before our nation we might think it's a bit like sodom and gomorrah we might think it deserves to be judged but we are to take our place before them and say lord there are many people in this land who know you but also many who will know you lord give mercy give us more time give us more opportunity don't hold back your judgment and show mercy upon our land and we, and the intercessor has boldness to do that because of his intimacy with God, but he also reveres God. You know, Abraham said at one point, I'm just dust and ashes. He He's not an upstart, he's not cheeky, but he has the confidence because he knows his covenant with God, and he uses his position with God to bring mercy upon those who don't deserve it. Even Lot didn't really deserve it. But he uses his influence with God to release God's mercy, and the angels, were released as a result of his intercession. And when you intercede for the nation, you release angels to work for the good. And so be an intercessor like Abraham. I want to encourage you to to get my Getting Healed book, a guide to receive your healing, and that which really takes you step by step in how you can receive healing from the Lord. And to go with that is my second book on healing, which is actually on long life and youth renewal live long and strong and God doesn't just want to heal you he wants to cause you to be healthy to be strong to have his life uh, sustaining you all the time so this will build your faith in that area thank you for watching you can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel you're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, ox x 37 qh You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086